DJ and PK, I want to remind you that Valentine's Day is not far away. Flowers make the perfect gift. Jimmy's Flowers, a longtime partner with The Zone, can make it easy by visiting them at jimmysflowers.com. Remember, Valentine's Day is on Sunday this year. Jimmy's Flowers at jimmysflowers.com. Just had Joe Ingles on. Tim Lacombe's coming up here in a minute. John Clayton will be here at 930 John Clayton used to be on ESPN, now with the Washington Post and 710 ESPN in Seattle. PK, is there a better example of how technology has changed everything? Can you imagine coming up and knowing that someone had one job in Washington, D.C. and another job in Seattle? And now you just look at it and think, well, of course he does. (laughs) Everything's changed. Oh, for sure, yeah. And if you're going to cover the league, you know, that's what you're doing. He's not, I don't think he's covering an individual team, but covering the league. So he becomes a variable asset because of his uh, knowledge that he has yeah. in the league. Yeah, and, and it's cool that, that that you can do that. It's great. We are talking about that yesterday with uh, Arizona football hiring Teddy Bruschi, and he's going to be in Massachusetts, but he can do a lot of work remotely. And obviously he'll come to Tucson from time to time, but he can be in Massachusetts and help his alma mater, which clearly has sucked in football and you know, I'm not expecting them to be SC or Oregon, but I do believe they can be way better. There's no way they should be losing to their rival by 63 points. Yeah, they probably need to knock that off. That's probably going to get a few more people fired if it keeps up. Well, which I don't mind. <laughs> no, you don't. You're fine with it, but <laughs> there's no reason yeah. their donors, their boosters, their season ticket holders. Oh, no, they, they should it. be outraged. Yeah. Uh, no doubt about it. And with that in mind, uh, I don't know if it's a direct uh, correlation, but the Sun Devils have just announced that their athletic director has received a raise uh, and to like $900,000 covering through the next five years, a year, and he gets like a $500,000 bonus. And this pandemic and all this stuff, it just doesn't really apply. Good to be at the top of the food chain. Except they're not. <laughs> no, I meant him. <laughs> so, well, well, did people in that department sure. get laid off and furloughed? I don't know that. I don't know I it can't. either. I assume they did because there were such massive losses uh, everywhere when the NCAA basketball tournament didn't happen and then when the football season got cut in half. Uh, maybe they didn't. Maybe they had some way to get through it without those. Yeah, I'm not sure. I can't answer that question. Uh, but, you know, they really haven't done anything startling. Uh, I mean, they're they're... Their Olympic sports have always been good and all that stuff, as they are in most of the teams in the conference. Uh, you know, obviously, men's golf is really good. <laughs> <laughs> in Phoenix, <laughs> go figure. Yeah, so uh, we understand those types. And the track, they've had so many Olympians who've done track and field there. Yeah. And the and women's the golf is good, too. They just won an NCAA title. I yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Recently. And, and, it, and it should be. I mean, it's really no big surprise. But it's about football and men's basketball, and the football team has been a little above average, although he gets a lot of credit for the hire. There's certainly a lot of enthusiasm. You know, there are teams that go 8-5, and five, and the, the vibe around the program is, bleh, you know, just nothing. And whereas the vibe around the ASU program is probably better than the results, you know. You know, they, you can only sell it for so long. At some point, you got to have the results. I know. But while you're still in that gray area, how you sell it matters. And they're, they're they selling gave, they it well. They give him a massive raise, a five hundred thousand dollar bonus, yeah. and and increase a hundred thousand dollars in a five year deal. And Herm Edwards is zero and two against Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> Probably got to figure that out. And one and two against uh, UC Los Angeles. And one and two against SC. Ah, oh, well, UCLA's so, down too. 
I know. Well, Colorado isn't exactly the uh, 92 Chicago Bears. <laughs> the 92 Bears? Sounded good. Yeah, okay. We'll go with it. We'll go with that then. The ninety-two bears. Now I'm gonna look up the ninety-two bears and see how good they were. They're like six and ten. <laughs> Everybody's gone. They didn't have Ditka and Buddy Ryan then? I don't know. No, those guys were done in ninety-two. Come on. <laughs> Whatever it was they nope, were. Nope, Ditka was there. I, I stand corrected. Well, I mean, yesterday I got ripped for bringing up Steve Young to Jerry Rice. I thought that was in the community's wheelhouse. I could have done Mahomes to Tyreek Hill, but I didn't think that would have near as much buzz as Steve Young to Jerry Rice. Yeah, well, there you go. The 30-somethings don't remember it, and they're going to rip you. So that's that's the name of that game. I thought I was selling something that this community wanted to buy. Uh, you know, a 50-year-old fan would absolutely buy that, but I don't know that it resonates with 30-year-old fan. You know, Steve Young's winning the Super Bowl, and they're 4 or 5, and they don't know about the whole journey. I so. know, but I figure BYU fans know about him, though, don't they? <laughs> by He's osmosis. their guy, isn't he? Isn't he the best and most popular former athlete at BYU in all time? It'd be interesting, uh, you know, Come because on, someone like bigger. Jimmer is more, you know, Jimmer's wildly popular and he's more sure recent. He so do people vote for him? Because no. there is a, a segment that can't remember Steve. It doesn't death. matter whether you remember him or not. I didn't remember Babe Ruth. And, and still I know about Babe Ruth. Right. And but if isn't you voted Steve for, Young the Babe Ruth of BYU? But a young you would have voted. Would you have voted for Babe Ruth as your favorite player or Reggie Jackson? Because you got Reggie's autograph. And I, it's because my mother made me. I know. I, didn't, I don't care about that. Now, in no. retrospect, he's a Sun Devil. You just didn't know at that point that Sun Devils were going to matter to you. <laughs> I did not. No, I did not. We were still living back east. I did not. I had no idea. On that, that's for sure. But no, no, no. I mean, I would still go Willie Mays was, for me, was my god. And I never even saw him play. He was done. So it doesn't matter whether you see him or not. We're talking about Steve Young. Plus, Steve Young is still in the news today. Yep, he's on TV. Right. And so it's like he's never gone away. Yes, he had to stop playing. Everybody understands that, and we'll have an opportunity possibly to Steve talk to Steve at the end of the week. Uh, but I would think that because of his, especially with BYU, with the Latter-day Saint connection, and he literally has the name of the founder or, or whatever, the name is not the founder, but the school was named after. And so to me, Steve, when you say the name Steve Young, it will always be relevant. Uh, he's BYU royalty. There's no doubt about that. I think he's the top. I don't think there's anyone above him. Yeah, not being here then, uh, you know, Jim McMahon. Man, there are people who love Jim. Fine, but not above not Steve above. Young. Not above. No, and you can love Jim Young or Jim McMahon all you want. And greatness. I never saw him play, but I've talked to so many people who said he was unbelievable. And, and to this day, believe he was the best BYU quarterback of all time. Yep. And I've have to take their word for it and literally never saw him play one play live. Now I've seen that holiday bowl 5,000 times, <laughs> but I did not see it. And you know, the legend of him kicking the, the uh, special teams off the punt team off the field. And I had no knowledge of that at the time, but now I feel like I was sitting <laughs> in the box seats on the 50 yard line for all the times I've heard and seen the replays. But I still think Steve young is the be-all, end-all when it comes to BYU 
former athletes. I, I, I just, I really don't see how you can argue that. Hey, Yak. Well, we've been talking football here. It's, it is signing day. It has none of the buzz of signing day. None of the juice. But it is signing day. Has anything happened for the Utes, the Cougars, and the Aggies? <laughs> anything? Essentially, a gigantic tumbleweed tumbling across the <laughs> That's frontier. what it is. Well, because Utah has pretty much maxed out their 25 initials. They did that in the early signing period. With also and even with the if you have one or two, you're always you're worried about back. the transfer portal. So yeah. you got to. And then BYU yeah. essentially is. They might may, may announce later today the, the return missionaries who are coming into the program, but nothing in terms of high school guys, et cetera, signing it. All right, like. so we'll see if the new staff of the Aggies are going to say anything later I know, today. I know, I know Weber has announced a couple of things this morning, but that's to be expected. They've kind of been holding back, I'm sure. Any local guys who would resonate or somebody getting out of California? I, some local, Arizona. some out of the Intermountain West region. Well, and then well. when you get some of our local guys uh, seeing – 2023. Well, okay, so actually I was looking at BYU's incoming return missionaries, just doing some research for the podcast I do. There's a guy that signed with BYU in 2017, and he's finally enrolled at BYU in 2021. It's about time. Yeah, so, I mean, you get the missions going on there. You know, you don't even know who's going to be available, and then you, if you're like me, unless it's a big-time quarterback, you forget about him. Well, the good news is that whoever that is, and I, I don't, uh, seriously, off the top of my head, I have no idea who it is. Maybe when I hear it, I'll know, but uh, I may remember the name. Does the name Isaac Matua sound familiar? Uh, oh, yeah. Kearns High School? Oh, for sure. PK. Watched him play weekly. <laughs> Bought season tickets to the Kearns Owls that year. <laughs> the Kearns, Kearns Owls. Owls. The Cougars. I don't think we have any owls. Do we have an owls? That's an animal that should be. I don't uh, think so, but we well, should one have of the one new of schools should be yeah. the owls. That's unused. <laughs> I mean, rice has it, but what does that matter? So does Temple. Yep, it's true. Thinking of Temple. Well, you guys may not have signed anybody, but today we signed the highest rated prospect in our class. I want you to remember the name of a cornerback, Isaiah Johnson, brothers and sisters. Okay, well, we got one that just came across from Weber State that may resonate a little bit. Creighton Cooper, uh, younger brother of Cameron Cooper, mm-hmm. who's at Washington State, just signed with the Wildcats out of Lehigh. Okay, there you go. Is All right. Mission, is he a mission kid or no? Uh, Cameron did not go on a mission. I do not know the status for Creighton. And is he a quarterback, too? He's a quarterback as well, correct. A three-star prospect. Well, cool. Jay Hill with another score. All right, well, if anything really interesting happens, well, we'll let you know. And it is pretty early, so uh, it may be more of a, a Hans and Scotty well, thing by the team people get a, time people get a listen no, to. No, actually, I don't, I don't think it is because if you go, like, the signing day, they start sending stuff out at 7 in the morning, their local time. Kyle Whittingham predicted this. Yes, he, he did. He said this uh, two, three years ago that the February signing date will be virtually obsolete. And he said that the very first year at the time that it wasn't obsolete. And he's turned out in just a short span of time to be absolutely 100% correct. It is all about the December signing period. DJ PK and Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, joining us here real quick here for a couple minutes. Tim, good morning. Good morning, guys. Tim, we want to hit you with the question of the day. What's your confidence level that the Jazz have restored order? You're doing pre-half and post. So other people can turn off a game in Denver when they get disgusted or a game versus Detroit because they think it's completely in hand. But your butt's sitting in that studio chair watching every minute of every game. So what's your confidence level the Jazz have restored order? Uh, Can you just drill down on restore order? What does that mean? 
Yeah, that's an excellent question. Was uh, your confidence uh, shaken to any level with the loss? Maybe you don't think there was any order to restore, that it was just the natural board of things you're bound to lose and someone was going to have a hot shooting night and you were, you were going to lose your edge one night and you were going to lose a game. So maybe you, don't yeah, think, maybe you don't think order needed to be restored. No, I didn't think. I was kind of more in that camp. Um, you know, while it was obviously you hate losing the Denver arrival and everything else, it's, uh, it was one that really kind of looked on the schedule like it may be a tough one, just given all the circumstances. You know, Brooke Donovan and Favors getting broken back into the lineup after two games out. And, you know, that always does a little bit of something to rhythm regardless of or irregardless of, you know, yeah. your intentions. Um, I think the other thing is, you know, that afternoon game after a, a home game, you know, to jump on the road and go out and play that thing uh, for an early start. You don't have a ton of those during the season, so that was another one that kind of I thought may be a little snafu for them. Um, but really what it took was a totally dominating shooting night from Denver, and I think it really did have more to do with Denver than the Jazz. I know you were associated with that great Utah program at a time that it was on top, and Majerus used to talk about this, and and working for the newspaper and being there, I saw it. I saw the excitement that every arena would have when the Utes played. Can you speak to the idea, because we had Joe Ingles talking about it a little bit now, Jazz is the best record in the league and they're fighting for the best record and probably going to fight for the best record all season. So they're not a surprise. And, and teams and guys know who's good, who isn't. So the point being that they're going to get everybody's best shot. Now, what do the Jazz need to do to match it? Because clearly Denver was fired up for that game, and it got away from the Jazz a little bit right from the start. Yeah, I think, I mean, it, that is a, a difference. But I think for the most part, you know, the Jazz have been viewed as a winning program, winning organization for a long time. And um, it, it's one that, you know, as opposed to somebody you can kind of sneak up on, the Jazz really can't sneak up on anybody, haven't been able to for a while. Um, you know, for whatever reason, it's a team that people, um, you know, really, see, well, I guess just on the history, see see success for a long time. So, um, you know, I think it's something that, you know, if the Jazz are chasing the best record in the league, it's a great dialogue to have. And and hopefully, you know, teams are up to play them because that means uh, things are going well for them. So there seems to be a thing that uh, happens on this team where uh, guys are so unselfish, they pass up open shots. And I've I've slowly over the last, I don't know, couple of weeks – really come to use that as the barometer of how well they're playing. I, I think when they're playing better, like they really get the first open shot and let it fly. And if that's on a two-on-two break, so be it. And if that's four seconds into a shot clock, well, that's the way it goes. If no one else gets to touch the ball in that possession, I don't care. But the when they, when they pass up an open shot and they get deeper into the clock, it seems like things kind of gum up and jam up. And sometimes it works out. Most of the time, it ends up being a problem. Are you seeing that, or am I up in the night? No, I totally agree. In fact, the, last night, the you know when Detroit pulled that thing back and got close, you know the way the Jazz broke that game was off two plays: one in transition to Bojan, um, obviously had a, a tip dunk, you know during that run, and then uh, Bojan again from the corner in a half court set to seal it. And I think the combination of all those was, 
you know, right shot, right time. My first one was in transition. The second one was after a set. Uh, they ran a great set, by the way, set us up all screen, uh, put Boyan in the opposite corner, and Rudy came in and pinned in the help which was for the skip pass, which was just – it was a great design and perfect execution, and Boyan made the shot. Um, I think what's great with this team is – that there's all sorts of different ways to score, but I agree with you when you see a guy pass up an open shot, which doesn't happen as much as maybe we thought last year, um, they probably aren't going to get as good a look as the shot clock runs down. Joe's also talking about Quinn, and I think the essence of coaching is putting your guys in position to succeed. Then it's up to them to go succeed. We saw that. Well, Majerus was good about it. We saw that with Dave Rose giving Jimmer all that success. You know, I think Dave was the perfect coach for him at the time to allow Jimmer to do what he does. Speak to Quinn Snyder's ability to maximize the talents of the players he has. I've got a ton of respect for it. Um, you know, having, like DJ said, you know, my, my can's in the seat the entire game, uh, an hour before, an hour after. So you see a lot and you hear a lot and, um, I think the things that are the most impressive to me, another one was brought up in the post game last night. Um, somebody asked Quinn about offensive rebounding. And, um, you know, it really fits with what this team wants to do. They want to find better, more efficient, and easier ways to score. Um, and they're rebounding the ball offensively really well this year. And I think a big reason is, you know, they're using the scatter report to see how people block out. Um, see who leaks out and see those as opportunities to maybe go steal an extra possession. Um, they're using, utilizing, the, I guess, the Euro foul in transition to slow down breaks um, when they can. And so I think that's just another level that coupled with his, like you talked about, DJ's, you know, he's allowing the guys to play with more freedom and, and score quicker in the shot clock. I think he just sees that he's got a really versatile lineup with a ton of shooting, really like a, an embarrassment of riches in, shoot, in the shooting department um, compared to the rest of the league. I mean, Detroit last night, if we had a three-point shooting contest, you know, that thing would have been over in the first five minutes. Um, so he just, he does, he utilizes his strength, he plays to it. Um, and I, I really, it's it's hard as a coach to get something set in a certain way to play and then tweak that and change it um even though things are working pretty well to try to find something better and i feel like that's what quinn's done since you stopped coaching at byu you've let the hair get longer you let the facial hair go i didn't recognize you famously at a golf tournament until you know it was a double take before i realized hey wait that's tim lacombe and I'm wondering, our next guest, and we got to go because John Clayton's going to join us next, but is that awesome. the greatest promo you've ever seen with the, the ponytail and the, and the pop? Oh, I mean, dude. Right? Is that yeah. you? Is that going to be you in like five years? Probably. I, I mean, this isn't going to end, but I agree. That was, so, that, was, that was one I actually belly laughed when I saw. I don't belly laugh a lot of commercials, <laughs> but that one got me good. And John Clayton's a legend, by the way. Tim, we appreciate the time. We'll talk to you again next week. All right. Thank you, guys. Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, pre-half and post-game, and he will be back at it tomorrow with the Jazz playing the Hawks in Atlanta. John Clayton's talking Super Bowl next.
The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. We found out what happens when Rudy Gobert actually has a bad game. And it doesn't happen often. The way that Denver plays its offense through Nikola Jokic, I mean, he's essentially a point center. There's no other team in the league that plays that way. Like the old Mountain West football days, Nikola Jokic is Rudy's Air Force. Where <laughs> Rudy has to totally play a different way on defense against Nikola Jokic and no one else. This is easier said than done. I get that. But you got to crowd Jokic. And you can't go for all his ball fakes. He's going to make you pay for that. And both Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors fell victim to that. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK is 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by John Clayton. Washington Post contributing NFL columnist and host on 710 ESPN in Seattle. John, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Good to have you on. We want to talk some uh, Super Bowl and NFL news with you. And, and let's start with the Super Bowl. This, uh, you know, the quarterbacks are so often the storyline. You got this meeting of uh, generations here. And is it a passing of the baton or a last stand by the GOAT? You know NFL history. Is there anything even close to this you can you can go back and point to? I really can't because, I mean, you've got the old goat and then what might be the new goat in Patrick Mahomes, both Brady being the old goat. And really, when you think about you go through the years and the great quarterbacks, a lot of times they were all aligned in the same conferences. Like, for example, I mean, this would be, you know, like a Peyton Manning, Tom Brady Super Bowl, which, of course, obviously couldn't happen because they were both – in the AFC, you go through with like John Elway and Jim Kelly and some of the great quarterbacks from the 80s. They were pretty much aligned in one conference. But to have kind of a matchup like this is so rare because, again, you know, you're talking greatness. And Tom Brady, obviously, with the uh, 33 playoff wins, uh, that's unmatched. The fact that he's now in his 10th Super Bowl. And now you have a Patrick Mahomes who's in his second Super Bowl, three championship games in the AFC and the chance to get so much more. So, no, I think this this is, that adds to the intrigue of this incredible game. There's always a lot of sub, subplots within the game, and Tom Brady's going to steal the attention wherever he goes, and obviously this year it's with the Buccaneers. But I'm wondering what you think of the matchup between the Kansas City offense and the Tampa Bay defense because it seems like to a degree that the Tampa Bay defense has sort of been undervalued and I think it's you know largely maybe to an extent of the star power of Tom Brady. Yeah, it's undervalued because it's so good in the front seven. I mean, the front seven, even with the return of Vita Vea, is uh, just fantastic. And then, of course, they got two great edge rushers in uh, Shaq Barrett and also – uh, having you know, J- Jason Pierre-Paul. But the one weakness that they have is in the secondary. Their coverage right now isn't that good. And you go back to the meeting in Week 12 where uh, Patrick Mahomes threw for over 460 yards. That's uh, And then you, <laughs> their best cornerback is Carlton Davis. And Carlton Davis was beaten for over 180 yards, particularly by Tyreek Hill. So that's going to be the one concern. They'll get pressure on the quarterback. They'll stuff the run. But can they cover? John Clayton, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. 
So Eric Fisher tears his Achilles, uh, Chiefs left tackle. They'd already lost their right tackle. They've, they've had injuries up and down the line throughout the year, which to a certain degree you just got to kind of put up with in the NFL. It's just the way things go. But at the same time, this does seem like it's a lot to handle right here at the end of the season. And you mentioned the edge rushers for the Bucks. Is the, is the Tampa Bay defense going to do – for Brady, what the Giants front four did to him in those two Super Bowls, can they can they swing this game? They could because what you're looking at is that go go back to the NFC Championship game was David Bakhtiari, the left tackle of the Packers. He was out with a knee injury, could not play, and so now you're looking at Eric Fisher with the torn Achilles, and then uh, the right tackle Mitchell Schwartz is on injured reserve. So now they're down two tackles, and you saw in that championship game that Aaron Rodgers was sacked five times. He had eight quarterback hits on him, and so there's a decent chance that in this game, Patrick Mahomes is going to have to probably survive maybe three or four sacks because you've got Mike Remmers uh, at left tackle now. He was the right tackle fill-in for Schwartz, and they had to take a a guard, uh, Andrew Wiley, and move him to right tackle. And then you look at the fact that that whole offensive line that's going to be on the field, four of the five guys have been at least cut once in their career. But, again, Patrick Mahomes is so good, he can overcome a lot of that, but you know he's going to go down to the ground a few times. When we think of Rob Gronkowski, we think of his possibly best all-time tight end, but you look at this postseason, he's been really quiet. How much do you expect that to change, if any, in the Super Bowl? I think that, and again, it's not that he's been quiet. Uh, it's just that you know when you have two great receivers like they have, you know, with Mike Evans and uh, Chris Godwin, you know, that doesn't get the ball much to the tight ends because, and then you got probably Antonio Brown if he is going to be healthy enough, being able to play and to go a little bit more three wide receivers. We saw at different stretches uh, during the season where it's like you know when they when they throw the ball to the two wide receivers it takes away from the tight end now that didn't happen in the week 12 game because you know Gronk and Cam Brayton had pretty good games i think they totaled up like about maybe 10 or 11 total passes to them but i think the likelihood is you're not going to see a lot of the tight ends involved in the passing game uh and but mainly, again, that's because when you're throwing the ball to two good wide receivers who are healthy, you know, they take away from the chances to get the ball spread around as much. So Tom Brady uh, is incredible, obviously. Uh, and, you know, the, the touchdown-interception ratio is great. But when he did throw picks this year, he threw them in bunches. Uh, he had three against the Saints in one game, two in another. He had three against the Packers in the NFC title game. And he had two when he played the Chiefs earlier this year. Do you think he's going to be turnover-free, or do you think there are turnovers to be had, and that's going to be a big deal for the Chiefs when they get those takeaways? No, I think he's going to have some turnovers because uh, you can see it. You know, The no-biscuit, no-risk at offense of Brian, uh, Bruce Arians is one where he wants Brady to throw the ball deep. And when that happens, I mean, you're going to have a tendency to have interceptions. I mean, remember when Brady had the one stretch in the middle of the year where he threw about 27 passes at air yards of 21 yards or more? He had no touchdown, no completions, and three interceptions. Well, right now, Brady and Mahomes are the two most active quarterbacks in throwing 21 air yards downfield, like 79 and 76, two of the top three. And so when you have the no biscuit, no biscuit, you have the tendency to have a possibility of some interceptions. Now, Brady's been good the second half of the season in getting completions, 
but still, I think he's still going to have some difficulty. And again, you look at the, what Steve Spagnuolo has done with the cornerbacks and man coverage, the defensive coordinator. I mean, they've done a really good job of covering. So I think he'll have a couple interceptions. Taking a big picture view of what Kansas City's been able to do, we know what they've done. It's remarkable. But looking ahead, you know, you're talking about Holmes. Obviously, he has time on his side. But you look at Roethlisberger. I think he had two Super Bowl titles by the time he was 26. Russell Wilson is in the Super Bowl early and should have won two, obviously. Uh, you know, haven't been able to get the job done since. How can we be, I don't know that sure is the right word, but how can we forecast that the Chiefs can keep this going if we tw- if we want to make that argument? Yeah, I mean, it, it is going to be difficult because now, you know, Patrick Mahomes got the big salary, uh, highest-paid quarterback, highest-paid player in the league, and that takes away a lot of times with the cap from being able to add much in free agency and causes you sometimes to lose some players. But I think what you're looking at is that the, the, the Chiefs are run very well, and when you have – the best quarterback, and you know, you, you can arguably say that Mahomes might be the best quarterback. So he won't win the MVP. Aaron Rodgers is going to win it, but he's slightly better, I think, right now than uh, Rodgers. Is that uh, he gives you the opportunity every year to be able to be in the Super Bowl mix? I mean, you look at Tom Brady. That's what happened in New England. So that's like, but again, it's a difficult thing. But fortunately, Brett Veach, the general manager, does a very good job with the cap and personnel. Andy Reid's as good as there is as you're going to find as a coach. So they still have the ability to do it. But you're right. It's going to be a challenge to try to keep this run going. So if they're going to keep it going, uh, Tyreek Hill's probably got to play a big role. 13 catches, 269 yards, three touchdowns in the 27-24 win in the regular season matchup. What are the Bucks going to do to, if not stop him, at least slow him down? Because those are outrageous numbers, and they can't let that happen again. Yeah, and if they try to just go cover one with the man coverage with Carlton Davis, it's going to be a big problem because Carlton's a 4-5-2 guy, and Tyreek Hill's just so fast and even so much better now with his route running that uh, it's going to be a one-on-one matchup. So I'd have to think they've got to find some way to double him to slow him down. Because he's still going to get his catches. I mean, Patrick Mahomes still is going to be able to do it. But if he, I mean, you saw how bad it was in that Week 12 game with the uh, pass completions to Tyreek over Carlton Davis. He's got to do something. I don't know if he has to go cover two, but he's got to do something to double him up. So we saw this week Tom Brady, you know, 45, now beyond 45. I don't want to doubt him. How about you? Uh, you have to think it's going to catch up to him sometimes. I mean, you wondered particularly at the end of the last two seasons, you know, his downfield throws, which he didn't do too much with New England, you know, were, were struggling. Now you've seen him come back. I think he's probably got two more years left, but to think you can continue to 45, 46 years old, I think that's going to be very difficult. There are a couple stories around the league, John, that are catching everybody's attention. How surprised were you that the Rams and Lions pulled off that trade for not elite quarterbacks, but certainly high-level, big-name quarterbacks who'd, who'd been invested in? How surprised were you by that, and, and how much is it going to change those two teams' fortunes? Or did they just exchange problems and ceilings? Well, De- Detroit's not going to be very good, so it's like that doesn't change the fortune of them. <laughs> it gives them the chance to, over a couple of years, build with the – two first-round picks and a third-round pick. You know, the Rams, I mean, as the weeks were going on after the season and after eliminating from the playoffs, you got the idea that Sean McVay was totally fed up with Jared Goff and wanted to move on. And so now 
he gets a better quarterback in Matthew Stafford. But the problem is going to be they've got $42.2 million tied up in dead money for Goff and $20 million included in the salary for Stafford. And that's going to really hurt their chances of keeping some of their players in free agency because now they're $35 million over $180 million cap. If that's what it's going to be, that's third worst in the league. And so they're going to have to you know, cut some guys on the offensive line. They're going to have to maybe lose uh, Leonard Floyd, maybe lose John Johnson, their safety. So that's, it's going to hurt the overall roster, but it certainly helps the offense and help, gives them a much better quarterback. So the Saints are an interesting team in our market because of Taysom Hill and obviously the connection with BYU and looking like Drew Brees is going to step aside. So we're all wondering as far as is Taysom Hill capable of being a starting quarterback in the NFL? What are you hearing? I really question it. I mean, you can see that they want to bring back uh, Jameis Winston. I think there's going to be competition from Chicago and a few other teams as far as Jameis, but I think that he'll want to go back. Uh, You know, Taysom is a, a good you know, a guy. You can see he was able to win the games against bad teams, but is he good enough to win against the good teams? And then, of course, the other problem is going to be that the Saints are $100 million over the cap, and so uh, what kind of team are they going to be able to field this year? So I think that there's no question he's going to be on the team. Maybe he's going to be doing a little bit more uh, than he did when Breeze is healthy, but I still think right now the guy that they want to bring back to start is going to be Jameis Winston. The league is more interesting when Bill Belichick has a really good team. Even if you don't like him, it's fun to hate him. How quickly can Belichick build a playoff team in New England? Uh, until he gets a quarterback, it's going to take some time. I mean, you, you saw that they brought in Cam Newton. That only netted him six wins, and uh, Cam just wasn't good enough, at least uh, with all the problems he's had with injuries in the past, to be able to uh, do well and get this team back on top. But they have to totally rebuild the receiving core tight end, and they didn't do that last year. I mean, they'll be better because they had eight opt-outs that will be at least available for them, and that should keep the defense together, but they've got to do a lot of work on that offense. So we all recognize Aaron Rodgers as the NFL MVP, as you said earlier, and there's been commotion coming out of Green Bay about his future. Jordan Love, Utah State kid, waiting in the wings. My thought is there's no way that Green Bay can let Aaron Rodgers get away. How about that situation? Yeah, I think because uh, I like what uh, was said by T.J. Lang that uh, you know Rodgers is in, in the revenge mode for the organization. And by revenge, he's still bitter over two things. One, they traded up to get Jordan Love. And two, they didn't get him any extra receivers, tight ends, or any help on the offense. And what he's is all in on the idea is like, hey, I want to be – ending my career in the Packers and play maybe four or five more years. And now you bring in a quarterback and you figure, okay, I'm going to be out of here in another year or two. And that's not good. So I think what he's going to do is going to ask for a contract extension. And if that's going to be the case, they may have to consider trading Jordan Love. But you can see there's a bitterness there. But again, to the point where they trade him, they can't trade him. It's too much of a cap hit and he's too valuable. Well, John, we appreciate a few minutes and, uh, and a little Super Bowl talk. Thanks for uh, coming on and talking NFL with us. Okay, thank you. John Clayton, Washington Post contributing NFL columnist and host on 710 ESPN in Seattle. When we come back, your feedback on today's show. That's coming up next. Stay with us.
And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. PK, I'm just looking out for you and your credibility. You start dropping those old references like I gave you crap about, then people are going to think you wear a navy blue shirt, khaki pants, and a weird hat and walk around with a goofy smile all day. No tunes today, but I just wanted to say that Joe Ingalls' story truly is inspiring. He was taken off the trash heap, and any of us can take inspiration from what he's accomplished. I just want to thank him and you guys for sharing that. Kay, with a serious take, no music today. What would the song be for that if Kay had done a song today? I go from rags to riches. <laughs> nice, okay. Tony Bennett. I was yeah. say, You Raised Me Up by Josh Groban or something like that. Oh, well done. Yeah, I brought up Tony Bennett because he's in the news. His family announced that he's too. suffering from Alzheimer's. And he's yep. just, he, although he did put out a CD, another one, with uh, Lady Gaga, as you know, uh, what was it, uh, 2015 or something? They were on a world tour. My sister actually saw them, and, and they were just brilliant, two Italians from New York. And now Tony's 94 years old. You know, his wife is like 50 years younger than him. No. Uh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe like 45. She's She uh, was a fan of his growing up. But, uh, yeah, that's what I thought of Tony Bennett. And that's the opening scene, I think, from uh, Goodfellas. But, yeah, I do walk around. What, what was that? And uh, Gaga or uh, Gaga. I got khaki pants and uh, a blue shirt and some type of hat. I am a nerd when it comes to that. I'm not sure where he was going. But the Joe Ingalls story is it, it, it's a great, great story. Yeah, and And the thing about it that makes it great seven years later there's no sense of entitlement because you see guys when they get going and they take advantage of it like Deshaun Watson you know if Deshaun Watson is a second teamer or whatnot do you think he's running around trade me I want input and this and that well he has leverage and he's using it and you see that a lot of times well Joe still to an extent act like he's a free agent trying to make the team I am curious uh, what they saw, what or things, maybe it's more than one, I shouldn't assume it's one, but what things they saw that uh, tipped him off and made him take a chance, you know, his, his competitiveness, passing ability, shooting, his size, you know, oh. how, he, how he played one night when they saw him in a game that was out of hand, and I don't know what it was, you know. At the time, we heard that they needed a, a babysitter for an 18, 19-year-old. Oh, Dante that Exum. was absolutely. Oh, he's Australian, and you yeah. know, hey, if this if this makes the 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 number five pick here uh, more comfortable, great. You know, right? And, one and, of your own is going to be on the. Your countryman's yeah. going to be on the team. Oh, I think he could be the fifth best wing player. That's legit. Well, he could be the fourth best. Boy, Dante's hurt a lot. But you know, Joe's now the third best. You know, just he he just kept getting better. It's like his stock kept going up and Exum kept getting hurt. Yeah, it's one of the more remarkable stories since I've been in the community, which is coming up uh, almost 28 years now, to see what Joe has carved out for himself and the connection that he's made for the community. It is really remarkable. You know, I've identified guys that I thought would be good guests to get on the show. But uh, when it's said and done, the Joe Ingles connection might be my greatest work. <laughs> Bet you knew it was good, but you didn't know it was this good, right? 
and this long lasting with this yeah. much of a commitment that he has made that he has made not anything we've done yep because we'll take them all he did it he did it on his own he stayed true to his word of wanting to do it and fitting it in uh, today getting up at uh, getting tested at 7 30 and driving to the airport where they're taking off and still fitting in time to do the show because the next two game days are game days I'm not sure how many people really, really appreciate the uh, commitment to do it because so many folks would just say, I just don't have time for it. I'm a big-time NBA guy, this and that. They'll take me whenever they can get me, not today. But, no, he makes sure he stays true to his word. And I've actually talked to him about that off the air. And he looked at me, and because I told him this, this is a couple years ago, and he said, I told you I would do it, and we'll do it. And once I said I was going to do it, you don't have to worry about it. I'm going to do it. Well, other people may take it for granted. You and I don't. We've been down this road before, and it didn't work as well, and now it's just working great. So Yeah, there was a big-time player on this team who used to call me, hey, I want to come on your show. He would leave messages on my phone, on my answering machine. PK, let me, let's get this done. Well, well, we'd do it for like two or three weeks, and then that was it. <laughs> You're the one who wanted to do it in the first place. <laughs> Well, I think Joe hit it on the head. If you didn't hear us today, you can get it wherever you get uh, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you want to go. Um, but he said uh, you asked him about the three point record, and he said he's just he's basically just uh, just babysitting that for Donovan. He's holding on to that. Donovan's gonna Donovan's too young and shoots the three too well. He's just gonna go screaming for sure. Yeah, we, unless he moves on. But that that really isn't the point. The point is the contribution that Joe has been able to make to the team, and to the community. That is, that to me is the legacy that Joe Engels, and he was joking about his retirement speech. He's not done by any stretch, but he just set the record this past week. That's why we're reflecting upon it, and there's still much more to go. But the valuable contribution he's made on and off the court is where it's at when you think of Joe Engels. Joe Engels will be one of those guys at age 50 when he comes back to the States and sits in the – in the lower bowl, and they put his face on the screen there, he's going to get a rousing ovation. Yep. All right, uh, other feedback, other stuff people have had to say about uh, this show. (laughs) Uh, We've got a huge Shasta trailer here uh, (laughs) with a long-running. Man, that John Clayton photo, that thing's got legs. Uh how did, uh, how did Jake Hatch come into the interview with Portugal, the man, a great song, mind you, and not Slayer? I'm an idiot, as I admitted. Maybe take him out with a little Slayer. I'm guessing he'd love oh, it. Is that what, that, John, was, that was the music on that commercial? Yeah, it was that, this is the Sports Center commercial. I'm guessing John probably gets that a lot, though. Yeah, that thing. was a nice parody. That was funny, I have to admit. Oh, it was yeah, hilarious. That, that, yeah, we all got to laugh that, at And that. they've done a lot of those with the ex-athletes. And in this case, obviously, he was a commentator. I don't know what happened. They just let him go? What was the story there? He was part of those cut-downs they had a couple years back. Merrill Hodge was among that, a guy that we probably should have on at some point again soon. That's too good. I mean, that's too bad because those guys, uh, particularly John, and what he did was very, very good. They've lost a lot of good talent with the – with the cut, they've had to let some really good people go. And now uh, he's with the Post, and he's also doing a show every day up there in Seattle. Good gig. Well, he's been on the show before. Yes. I mean, if he were at ESPN, we wouldn't be able to get him on. So, it's so is, out. is he it's on e, uh, Ian Furness's station or no? Uh, Seven Ten ESPN. That's one that Jake Heaps is on as well. I'm not sure. No, I think Ian. it's a competition. I think it's the Ian's on. Uh, He's KJ, KJR. KJR. Yep, you're yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, Heaps has a midday show there, doesn't he? 
I think he's actually doing the afternoon drive now on 710. Afternoon drive? Jake yeah. Heaps, way to go. He's also going to be on him. that Ninja Warrior reality show for NBC just announced. How come somebody hasn't brought Jake back... Jake Heaps a- Yes. How come somebody hasn't brought back American <laughs> Gladiator? That show had great potential. That needs to come back. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It needs to happen. Scotty, you'd watch American Gladiator if it were on again. New episodes? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, Old school. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that was like Saturday night. You'd go be- between that and Saturday Night Live. There you go. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the guy would have the gun. <laughs> you know, it would shoot like the Nerf balls at you. That was my favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're out of time. Scotty and Hands coming up next. We'll talk to you.